Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well this morning. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Those of you who are here in the house, those of you who are joining us online, thank you guys so much for joining us online this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Exodus chapter 6. We're going to be uh, uh, covering a variety of chapters today. Um, and uh, today is obviously, many of you know, it's a special day uh, here in the U.S. It is the most official, unofficial holiday of the year, right? So just to get things going, because I know that some of you want to do this and you want to know, um, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and so you probably will go home and watch the Super Bowl, and some of you will go home and you'll watch the commercials, and some of you will say, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, how many of you are for the Rams today? How many of you are for the Rams? It's a quiet group. You're subdued, all right? It's like, yeah, I'm for the Rams, but I don't want anybody to know. How many of you for the Bengals today? Bengals? That's what I thought. Uh, all right, so I'm right there with you, uh, Bengals, today. But uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm just, I'm choosing the AFC. I'm honestly still waiting for my team to come back uh, after they got a lead 28 to 3 five years ago. Uh, I went to sleep. It was bad. I was getting congratulations texts, and it was really, really bothered me that I was getting those texts in the third quarter because I knew what would happen because I'm from Atlanta. And so I woke up, and it was 2022, and it was 28 to 3 in the third quarter, and we still lost. I don't understand that. So, and I know that for some of you, some of your teams, um, let's connect this to what we're talking about today. Some of you, you're waiting for your teams. You Bengals fans, you haven't won a Super Bowl yet, just like my team has not won a Super Bowl yet. I really hope you don't have 2016 uh, all over again today. Uh, the, uh, the Rams uh, have won a Super Bowl. Some of you who are NFL teams or you have a particular team, you're waiting for your team to reach that promised land, right? All right, here we go into the Bible. See how I did that there? Uh, so anyway, you're waiting for your team to reach a promised land. Some of you, like me, are waiting for your team to be released from bondage, all right? So it's like, man, this is horrible. It's been, you know, oh man, anyway, 28 to three, that's all I think about. And my son is laughing back there because he thinks it's hilarious. So anyway, uh, I, I want us to, to just, as a way of review, kind of hit what we've talked about the last few weeks. And this series is called Unfit. And I know some of you are like, oh, he's gonna do a whole series on uh, you know, health and that sort of thing. Clearly, that's not the case. Clearly, that's not the case. So anyway, uh, but we're going to be talking, we are talking about how God used this man by the name of Moses despite everything. He was probably the least likely, highly, highly unlikely to be used by God. But as we know today, God used him in an amazing way. And today is a little bit of an add-on to this message series because I really felt like that if we were to skip to where I wanted, where I planned to go this week, that we would miss the best part of the story of Moses. And that truly is the exodus from Egypt and from slavery and from bondage and from the terrible conditions. And so I felt like it was necessary for us to focus a little bit on that so that we can have the picture of Charlton Heston out of our minds and we can take a look at the real man by the name of Moses. And so uh, we learned in week one that God can use us, that God is fully aware of all the circumstances surrounding our birth, 
surrounding our upbringing, surrounding the, the day and the age in which we were born. And he can use us regardless of the mistakes that we made. And in week one, we left Moses off at the point where he was 40 years old and had killed a man, hid him in a desert, and thought that he had gotten away with it, and he hadn't. And so then we came to week two last week, and we find Moses at the age of 80 years old. And he is in the desert. He's a shepherd. Can you imagine that at 80 years old, working for his father-in-law? And he sees this burning bush, and the voice of God tells this man to go to Pharaoh and to demand that Pharaoh let the slaves go, that, they, that he let the people, the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people go. And Moses is asking, why, God, this is not me he gives us the information that he really can't speak very well or he has some uh, sort of speech impediment. There's something going on there where he feels like God can't use him in that way. And we learn that it's one thing to admit our weaknesses, to understand our limitations, and to know that we're not good at certain things, but it's another thing to use that as an excuse as to why God can't use us. And today we come to a point in time where God has made many promises in the past, He's made these covenants with his people. One of them years earlier, actually generations earlier, had been um, with Noah, and one had been with Abraham, and he makes a covenant, and he tells Father Abraham, as you guys probably know, know him, um, he tells Abraham that he is going to make them a great nation. And they went into Egypt, 75 people, and we're going to see today that they come out of Egypt, about two and a half, some theologians believe even as many as three to three and a half million people. And so he made them great. But where do they find themselves at this point in time? They're slaves. They're enslaved. They're being used as forced labor. And so is God's promise really true? We're going to take a look at some continuation of that promises those promises, and we're going to take a look at what God does in a miraculous way with a normal man who is highly unlikely, unfit seemingly to be used by God, and God used him anyway. And so before we dive in, I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning. Father, would you lead us today? Holy Spirit, would you lead us in your word and what you have for us today? May you allow the, the words of these pages and notebooks and whatever we're using to jump off into our minds and penetrate our hearts. And Holy Spirit, would we be led by you today? And Father, in this great miraculous thing called the Exodus, Father, I pray that we would find ourselves, maybe we find ourselves in Moses' shoes. Maybe we find ourselves in the shoes of some of the nation of Israel. Maybe we find ourselves as one of the Egyptians, God. I pray that wherever we find ourselves, that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us and you would meet us right where we are. And Father, for many people today, I pray that today would be their day of freedom, the day they walk across dry land into freedom and towards the promised land. Lead us and guide us. May I step out of the way. May you do the work that you want to do today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 6. We're going to take a look at verses 6 through 9 here this morning. Say, therefore, God says to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the slavery, the burdens of the Egyptian. 
and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Verse 9 says, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. I want you to get the picture of what was going on here. God gave Moses very specific instruction of what he was to tell the whole nation of Israel. He was God's spokesman. He was the man that God had used not only to go to Pharaoh, but to go to the nation of Israel and to prepare them for their freedom. But it's interesting, in preparing them for their freedom, they had gotten so used to slavery that they didn't listen. They didn't understand why in the world they would want to be set free. That's what slavery does. And by the way, church, by the way, Christ follower, I want you to know that in this instance, slavery equals sin in our lives. My life, your life, all of our lives. Slavery is a representation of sin. And just like slavery, when we're entrapped in sin, when we're captivated by sin, when we're in bondage to sin, it's something that when we have message of freedom from that, we deny that and we, we, we reject it often because we're so used to, we're so comfortable with the sin that we're like, yeah, I know that's better for me. I know that's better for my family. I know that's more glorifying to God, but I want to continue going the way that I've gone because I'm so used to it. And the Bible says here that in verse 9, Moses spoke to the people. I love how it says thus in the ESV. Moses spoke thus to the people. Use that today at lunch, uh, the word thus. That's pretty cool if you do. Uh, but they did not listen to Moses. They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and because of their harsh slavery. They were trapped in sin. They were burdened by sin, but they were also beaten up. Man, that's what the enemy does, doesn't he? He makes us feel shame for our sin. He makes us feel shame for our behavior, for our lifestyle, for what we're doing that we know is not glorifying him and it's not good for us. And he beats us up. And so they had this broken spirit and they had this harsh slavery, so much so that they didn't listen to Moses. Have you ever, have you ever had the opportunity to speak to someone who was in a very difficult place, and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, you weren't arrogant, you weren't prideful, but you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, like I've got this one little piece of advice, one little hint that will help you in such a great way, and you share that information. It could be athletics, it could be something with academics, it could be something with a job, it could be that you were a boss or a parent. And you share that information, and you're like, if you just take this one little piece of advice, it would change your life. And it just falls on deaf ears. I know if you're a parent, you've experienced that. But you've probably experienced it in other uh, areas of your life. 
Maybe you're the one that, that needed the advice, that needed that little kind of nudge, and, and you're just unwilling to listen to someone who's had more experience in that area or has maybe had more success in an area. So maybe you had more years in an area, and you're just like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm just that stubborn. I'm just that stubborn right there with you. I mean, we can be really stubborn sometimes. I mean, we, I, I know I can be stubborn. That's what, I mean, my wife and kids tell me I can be stubborn sometimes. I can be stubborn sometimes. How about you? Can you be stubborn sometimes? Some of you may put yourselves in, in the position of the Israelites here. Moses has seen the burning bush. He's concerned that nobody's going to listen to him. He was kind of right, wasn't he? I mean, do you remember him telling God, they're not going to listen to me. Who am I? And he brings him this word, and sure enough, he's, he's a little bit right. I mean, if I'm Moses, I'm kind of going, see, God? They don't listen to me. They don't listen to me. But that becomes a theme here as God is giving his promise for deliverance and wants the whole nation of Israel to hear it, this whole generation of people to hear it, this whole group of people that he loves dearly to hear this one thing. They don't want to hear it. They don't want any part of it. Verse 12 of Exodus 6, he goes back to God kind of like I just, just demonstrated. And he says, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. If it were me, I would have underlined and circled not. God, see, I told you. I told you. They would not listen to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. So Moses and Aaron, they go to the Pharaoh, and they begin this process of going to him multiple times and talking to him about letting God's people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. That famous phrase that we hear over and over and over again. In verse uh, chapter 7, if we skip down to chapter 7, verse 4, Moses and Aaron have gone to Pharaoh, and verse 4 says, Pharaoh will not listen to you. This is God now telling Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. Essentially, God is preparing Moses to the fact that Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. You're right about that. He's not going to listen to you. We move on and we see in verse 13 of chapter 7, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened. I want, I want you to capture that phrase, his heart was hardened. And he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Verses 22 and 23, he gets these magicians in Egypt to try to do some of these same things that, that Moses was doing because he thought it was just magic and tricks. And so verses 22 and 23, but the magicians of Egypt did exactly the, their, their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. And he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take uh, event to th uh, this, uh, even this to heart. And Pharaoh repeated this cycle of turning his ear from God in five of the ten plagues that we're not going to dive into today. You can do that on your own. That'll be a fun reading assignment this week, is to read about the plagues. But Pharaoh, five times out of ten, 
Bible says his heart was hardened towards God. Here's the thing I want you to know about leadership from Moses' standpoint, from his perspective. See, God promises to deliver his people over and over and over again. He promises in his word to deliver his people. He does it with us in amazing and small and also great ways. But few people are listening. Few people are listening. It's kind of like me on the golf course. (laughs) Few people are listening. God promises to deliver his people, but few are listening. Isn't that true, church? Isn't that true? Few people are listening to the promises of God. But one thing that I learned from Pharaoh is that he kept turning his ear against God. He kept turning his, his ear against Moses' message. The people of Israel, began; they started turning their ear against Moses. And Pharaoh demonstrates one thing. I don't want you to miss this. It's that when we turn our ear away from God, we have likely turned our hearts away from him first. You see, at the the very core of Israel's problem and Pharaoh's problem is, is not really a listening issue. I'm sure that Pharaoh and the nation of Israel heard the words that were coming out of the mouth of Moses, right? Because we can be hearing instruction all day long and not receive it. No elbows, ladies, right now with your husbands. (laughs) We can be hearing but not listening to God. We can be hearing the words. We can be reading the words. we We can know what's going on. We can have tons of head knowledge. But if our hearts, listen, I don't want you to miss this. If our hearts are turned away from God, if they have become hardened to his moving in our lives, we are never really going to listen to the things that will give us freedom. We'll never get to hear the heart of what God wants. Exodus 7, verses 6 and 7, Moses and Aaron, they did so. They did what God told them, just as the Lord commanded them, exactly as God commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old, and they spoke to Pharaoh. There were two people that were listening to God, right? Moses and his brother Aaron. They were listening to God. Listen, I want you to hear this, Christ follower. If you want to be a leader in your home, if you want to be a leader in your church, if you want to be a leader in your community or in your business or in your school, students in your school, if you want to be a leader in your life, all the head knowledge in the world is not going to make one ounce of difference unless your heart is attuned to God. And I'm preaching to the choir right now myself. Unless our hearts are tuned to God, we're never going to make a difference in this world. Verse 20 says, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in uh, in the sight of his servants. He lifted up the staff and he struck the water in the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned to blood. (laughs) The first 
of the plagues. And I want you to hear, here's the principle, point number one principle, is that God uses the leader who listens when no one else is listening. God uses the leader who listens when no one else is. And some of you may have walked in here today and you don't view yourself as a leader, neither did Moses. Aaron probably thought, you're using him and not me. And now I have to be with this guy and interpret what he's saying and eventually hold his hands up. We're going to see that later on. He can use you to be a leader among your Israel or maybe your family, maybe in your business, maybe in your community, might be in your church. God will use you if your ear is tuned towards him and if your heart is pliable towards what he has to say. Secondly, there was this last of the plagues. And it was kind of a choice in the whole land of Egypt, Israel and Egyptians included, of either them having a strike-down situation or a Passover situation. All these plagues have occurred, and the nation of Israel and the Egyptians are probably sick and tired of all these plagues, frogs, insects, hail, all kind of stuff going on. I, I grew up in Florida, and to this day, I cannot stand flying bugs. I'm okay with reptiles, right? I, I'm fine with reptiles. I can't stand flying bugs. For some reason, I freak out. I look like Elaine dancing in Seinfeld when there's a flying bug around me, okay? So that, I don't know why. Some of you are like, man, that's pretty sad, Todd. Anyway, I'm cool with that. I would have hated that one. I would have hated that. Gosh, they were worn out. In Exodus chapter 12, moving on to, to chapter 12, God says in verse 12 and 13, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. But the blood, verse 13, shall be a sign for you who gave them instruction to take the blood of a perfect lamb and put it over the doorposts of their homes on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so God's spirit came that night and all the firstborn were killed except for those who followed God. And it's really interesting because if you read in detail, and we don't have time to, to get into it, but the, the people of Egypt really respected those who followed God in the nation of Israel, even though Pharaoh didn't, even though the leaders didn't. The people of Egypt respected the Israelites who followed God. We skip down to verse 28. And the people of Israel went and they did so as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And part of the reason I keep reading these verses and we keep looking at these verses where Moses and Aaron follow God and it says they did what he said. Is I want you to hear that obedience is such an important part of us walking into our freedom. We don't view it that way. We view obedience as something that's, that's more restrictive, right? More rules, seemingly. More things that we just don't like doing. 
Come on, God, can't you just give us freedom? But obedience leads to freedom. And of course, on that night, the nation of Israel, they, they left. The ones who had put those, that blood over their doorposts and obeyed God, they did what he commanded. They left, verse 37, and the people of Israel, they journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot. That's where we get about two and a half to three and a half million people. If there were 600,000 men, there were probably many, many more than that that were traveling. Because it says, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up from them and very uh, much livestock, both flocks and herds. This was a huge, huge caravan. You think your family packs the car tight? And you're kind of irritated because, like, how heavy does these pieces of luggage need to be? These suitcases are ridiculous. They were bringing livestock with them, okay? You've got it good. All right, verse 39, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that Israel, the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. These people have been in captive for 430 years. This was a whole generation, multiple generations. This was a whole nation. This was a whole group of people, a whole culture of people that had been enslaved. And Moses continually obeyed God, even though he protested at times. Even though he said, why me? His continual acts of obedience took hold, finally, with the nation of Israel. And they walked into their freedom. It's interesting, if you do some study on this, where they went out, if you take the exact words that the Bible gives us in the exact original language, the people in a day journeyed from Egypt to the place where they were walking across dry land, which we'll get to in a moment. That happened in a day. God did a miraculous thing. And he did it because of the act of obedience of one man. See, our individual acts of obedience to God may result in the spiritual deliverance of many people. Listen, I want to stop here for a moment. You have no idea what your small act of obedience may do for your family. You have no idea what your small saying yes to the thing that God is asking you to do that is incredibly difficult to do may change the future of your husband or your wife or your kids. Making that stand. Doing that one thing that is so difficult, admitting that one problem that you have our individual acts of obedience may result in the spiritual deliverance of many. Listen, people listen when there's crisis, don't they? People listen when there's crisis. People ask me, when do you, when do you see people get saved? When do people that are older than the age of about 18, when do you see that they change their life and they ask Christ to be their Savior? And I'm like, most of them, unfortunately, it's at the moment of crisis. It's true. It's true. For many of you, that may be true. But what a great thing. What a great thing. 
people listen when crisis happens. That's what the nation of Israel was going through. There was crisis, and they were finally awakened to the fact that maybe Moses is right. Maybe God is right. Maybe God is right. And for some of you, today may be your moment of spiritual freedom because you woke up and you said, you know what? I am killing myself trying to do this thing my own way. Maybe it's time to try God's way. Maybe it's time to stop trying on your own and realize that God's way works. It's not easy. In fact, it may be incredibly difficult, but it works People follow when, when, and they listen when crisis happens. They follow when they see consistency, and they saw that in Moses' life. People act when their trust has grown, and their trust in Moses and, had got, and God had grown. And so God uses the leader who follows him and leads others to follow him. It's part of our mission statement. Passionately sharing the message of Jesus and leading people to follow him. That's how important it is for us to lead with consistency. Lastly, not only does God use the leader whose ear is turned towards him and listens to him when no one else is, God uses the leader who follows him and leads others to follow him. But lastly, God uses the leader who stands firm. Exodus 14, I love this. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Okay, now as we end, I want you to get this picture. For 430 years, a group of people grew from 7 to 3 million. Let's just call it 3 million. We'll round up. All right, so three million. They had been there for generation upon generation upon generation, and God tells them right there, right there, you will see my salvation. Today, you'll see my salvation. For the Egyptians who you see today, you'll never see again. And you know what most of Israel probably said? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? And listen, the problem and the situation and the circumstance that has captivated you for all of these years, for decades, maybe forever, God can lead you out of that circumstance and he can leave you, lead you into your freedom today. It's like we talked about last week when we say, no way, God says, watch me. And then I love that it happened. Verses 21 through 22, then Moses stretched out his hand, old Charlton Heston, right, over the sea, and the Lord drove back the, the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea Please don't miss this. They went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. This was not low tide, all right? <laughs> this was a whole nation of Israel 
who experts say that at some points in that passage across dry land, some of you who are interested in these things, I love it, they can pinpoint the very stretch of land that would have been the only place that this possibly could have happened. And, and if you do the calculations from God's word, it's exactly in that spot. And that there's a possibility that the wall of sea was as much as a mile to a mile and a half high. That it would have gone down into dry land, into that sea, as much as a mile to a mile and a half deep. God is an amazing God, isn't he? He led them out of captivity into their freedom. And the people of Israel, verse 22, went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. If you've ever seen the oceans churning and turning during a tropical storm or a hurricane, yes, I said the word. I'm not supposed to say that. I was told when I moved here 15 years ago that that was a curse word. Okay, so anyway, you see how dangerous the sea could be. And God brought them across dry land. In Exodus 14, 31, Israel saw the great power of the Lord that the Lord had used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now you may be someone today that put yourself in the position of the Pharaoh. You may be like, Todd, I've got to be honest with you. I'm kind of like the people of Israel. Like I've seen the deliverance of God. I've heard his promises before, but I still doubt them because of this massive problem. But I want you to understand that the leader that God uses is a leader who stands firm. And that's what this guy Moses, who is highly unlikely, who is unfit from the world's perspective, did for the nation of Israel. He stood firm and God used him. And church, I want you to hear today that standing firm is not standing on our principles and what we think is right and whatever political party we're a part of or whatever we think that the HOA or POA should do on a certain issue. These are things that Moses stood firm on that God himself gave to Moses. The problem is, is that most of us don't get past point number one. We're not listening to the Spirit of God. And so today, I want for you and for me to ask for God to give us the ability, the patience, the understanding, the focus to hear from him. Because God used Moses, he can use you. He can use you in remarkable ways. In small ways that make a massive difference. And you can be someone who leads people to their exodus. To their freedom. Father God, today, I thank you so much. For a man like Moses who, as we've talked about the last few weeks, was really unlikely, unfit from the world's perspective, to be used by you. God, today as we've seen the world around him, no one was listening. No one was listening. And yes, there were moments that he got discouraged. There were moments, I'm sure, that he shook his fist at you and said, God, why would you use me? No one's listening. I've been there. We all have been there. 
We all have been there. But Father, I pray that we would check our hearts, that we would inspect our hearts. For the people that we're leading, for those that we have influence over, for those that we may not have influence over today, but the potential of having influence over tomorrow and in the future. Father, I, I pray that we would be leaders who listen, who our ears are turned towards you and that we're listening to your spirit, Father God. Help us to hear your spirit from your word and from that still, small voice deep in our spirit. God, may we connect with you. May we listen to you. And Father, may we act in obedience. And Father, I pray that you would be with us when it seems like there's no one who is listening. Father, I pray that we would be people who just continue to listen to you. That we would be people who walk in obedience consistently. Father, I pray that that makes a difference in the lives of those around us. But God, I pray most of all for the people who walked in this room or maybe listening or watching online. And Father, they have, a, they have an Egypt that has captivated them. It might be a sin or a lifestyle or something that is holding them down. It might be the fact that they were abused in their past. And this shame and guilt just keeps continues to come up and it continues to press them down father i pray in the strong name of jesus that you would give them freedom father i pray that you would release them from those bonds and god i pray that today they would have enough faith to follow you and walk across dry land into their freedom knowing that the journey may not be easy but it's best for them and it's glorifying to you. Father, we love you and we pray that you would continue to lead and to guide us. We, your people. And I pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said.